The winemakers are up next, but first, check out this other great show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Destination Eat Drink. A dish named after Romeo and Juliet, Brazilian moonshine, and how to best enjoy carnival. This week, we're in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. I'm Brent Peterson, host of Destination Eat Drink, the travel podcast for foodies. And in addition to all that, we'll also visit Rio's famous beaches. Download the podcast today on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. From the birthplace of modern winemaking, Sonoma, California, welcome to the winemakers. Local experts Sam Katuri, Bart Hansen, and Brian Casey, along with host John Myers, invite you to listen in as they discuss all facets of winemaking. So sit back, pour yourself a glass, and let's hear what the guys have to say this week. Hey, Ruben, for being a first-time uh, uh, pourer, that was that was fantastic. Sounds like a wine <laughs> professional. I, I, I've been practicing at work. First, first <laughs> to, pull that microphone right up on you. First-time pourer, second-time guest. Yes, right. uh, I have been practicing at work. The fine art, the fine art of pouring. Yeah, <laughs> it's all in the wrist. <laughs> hey, you know, wall, wall. We're just talking about that. As someone who pours as much wine probably as I do, do you find that some bottle shapes, I know you guys, some bottle shapes, you get a really nice, easy pour out of the bottle, and some bottles have like a glug, glug, glug where it's a... Do you notice that? Yeah. 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 I do. But at the same time, some of my favorite favorite wine to pour, I'm sure I'm not uh, alone in this, is champagne i think right that the art of pouring champagne continuously as it starts to foam and and you don't stop and and then you reach that perfect line where it's at it's not at the apex but it's right there where it's supposed to be and then it continues to go down. I think that's yeah. People, I think I'm gonna drink champagne for the rest of the day. <laughs> I, <laughs> that sounds awesome. Well, it's it's funny when it, he's right. When you pour sparkling wine, a lot of times if you're doing it correctly, you have the table captivated because they don't do that themselves at home. I think a lot of them have the glass in one hand and the bottle in the other hand, and they're sort of got it tilted right, and they're trying exactly. to pour it like a carbonated soda or something. Exactly, exactly. So when they watching, when they're watching you hold it and it's just slowly coming out and it's, and it's a perfect pour, then they're sort of in awe. And they I, are. and a lot of times I get a remark like, Oh my God, that's so beautiful. I said, you know, I used to work on a yacht out on the San Francisco Bay and it, we did uh, champagne brunch. And I said, this is nothing. Try pouring champagne into a glass while someone's out on the deck and they're moving like this and you're moving like this. The, the chances of you even getting in the glass are, are extremely low. I'm always surprised that my hands, uh, after all the wine that I drank, it just stays pretty steady after while pouring um, the, the bottle of champagne. Well, that depends on what you were doing the night before, too. <laughs> right it's I, mean, I was gonna say is our our steady hands something that's normal <laughs> yeah you've never know. seen it I, don't, I have no idea i i had a little binge 
thing going on when I lived in um, in Hawaii, and I remember sometimes when someone would order a martini up, and the bartender would fill it up all the way to the top, you'd kind of look and go, "Oh shit, <laughs> <laughs> this is gonna be a challenge to get it to the table on the tray, and then off the tray onto the table without spilling anything." It was it was dicey sometimes. <laughs> all right, well we let's uh, let's yeah, introduce who, who, our... who's who are we talking to, Brian? So uh, <laughs> we have uh, Ruben Morency, who is the wine director at Qua uh, in San Francisco, and Ruben says his last name a lot nicer than I do. Give us, give us a. Um, yes, my name is Ruben Morancy. More okay. No, Morancy. last time you said it with a French, nice Haitian uh, accent. Well, well, I think. Sometimes I say it so that Americans can can remember it and pronounce it. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's rather trivial, but it is what it is. But my name is Ruben Morancy. Oh, see. Yeah, see, I can't say it. <laughs> Got no chance. No. We all took Spanish. Yes. Um, <laughs> I am the wine director at Qua in San Francisco. Um, we are a two-star Michelin restaurant. And um, it's it's a f- fun place to work. We have uh, a great team of people working in the kitchen in the front of the house. Um, Daniel Patterson, who is the executive chef owner, uh, is an incredibly creative person. Uh, to be around, and uh, so as the rest of the team. And we sort of got in touch with you, not only because, you know, you and I used to work together, as well as uh, Daniel Shu, who's here um, um, today. Are Uh, all three of you former figgies? We are figgies. And some current. And some current figgies. I mean... I, once, uh, once a fig, you, I, always, always a, a fig. fig. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's like the Marines. Hoorah! <laughs> Hoorah! <laughs> we, are, we have taken over uh, Bite Goes On podcast headquarters here in the heart of the heart of Figland. Yeah, we're at uh, the Girl in the Fig headquarters. This is the training room slash studio for the Bite Goes On um, podcast that Sondra and I do. If you want to check that out, you can go to thebitegoeson.com. Had a nice dinner last night. We had um, uh, Steve Sando from Rancho Gordo Beans. Oh, so we did oh, a cool. Uh, yeah, we did. Ooh, we did that uh, one. Pizzoli three ways. So really? we did a yeah. shrimp, a mushroom, and a chicken pizzoli. Um, and w- you know, with his um, hominy, um, with his corn that he sources from Mexico, and it was good. I the only thing I. Uh, Wish was different. I was I was hoping actually for a rainy, cold night because pozole is like the Pizzoli, perfect yeah. comfort food. And it was actually a beautiful day yesterday, so it kind of uh, <laughs> kind of ruined nice, it a little bit. Too for nice me. of a day to eat pozole. Yeah, right. But it was Sunday. Um, That's when you you know bust out the pozole. Is that is it a Sunday thing? For sure. Okay, yeah, definitely. <laughs> and the hot sauce sure made a difference too, boy. He he does a hot sauce that is raging. You know, I uh, just got uh, Rancho Gordo pineapple cider vinegar. That I'm using in, instead of uh, instead of apple cider vinegar, just like on salads and stuff like that, totally like adds a sort of like tropical brightness. The Rancho, Gor- I, it's a great follow on Twitter too. Follow Steve Sando on, yeah. on Twitter if you can get in on his like. Uh, he has like a, a Facebook group. That's it, like, he's all he's like his his marketing. He's, he's, he's it's like, crazy. It's a bean like, club, and right, the there's club. there's something like eight hundred and fifty of them and 400 more on the waiting list to get on. But you'll find his, his beans in, in you don't stores. You mean beans, like, you mean people. Uh, no, no, P- 
people. Right. Yeah. People, yeah. Sorry, people but waiting to be on the to, beans. To be list, on there, but right, not beans to be. Right. right. But you, but you see his stuff in the stores, so you wonder like, why do I have to be in the bean club? But it's because he he um, he goes down to Mexico and he gets these families that are farming to to do these unique beans and and a lot of times he's only getting super small amounts and so those those aren't the ones that you'll see in the store those are the ones that go out to the bean club members so they get these special things so last night it's allocated beans um and we didn't have to sell one ticket to this event it was sold out um just by his bean club members some of them came from mendocino ukiah fresno uh, wow just just to have uh, it doesn't do, it doesn't do like a lot of dinners and stuff like that. I don't. See, this was not, the third one. They had done one at the shed when it was still there in Hillsburg, and then they did one at um, somewhere at a restaurant in Petaluma. Uh, yeah, good night. So we were hanging at the the girl in the fig HQ. It's early in the morning, and you guys showed up, and there was no wine, so we fixed that. We right. remedied that situation quickly. <laughs> How could we wine podcast? Monday morning. Monday morning. I, I know, and there's there's nothing mm-hmm. better at 10 a.m. than pour one out on this floor for uh, for Kobe. Don't tell John Tulsi. <laughs> yeah. Actually, somebody came into the rest to the tasting room yesterday and said that they had been at the girl in the fig when they heard about Kobe Bryant and they poured some wine out on the floor. I was like, Wow. Um, I mean, that was. Hopefully out on the patio. Hopefully on yeah. the patio. They, <laughs> they just put in those new hardwood floors. Yes, brand new <laughs> floors. But it's for Kobe. Yeah. Well, Ruben, why don't you tell us a little bit about your history? I mean, where you grew up and, and how you got into wine. Um, yes, of course. Uh, I was born in Port-au-Prince, Haiti. Uh, and um, my family moved to the States in the in the early 80s. Uh, when you were how old? I was about uh, 14 years old. Okay. Um, prior to that, uh, my grandmother, who was a chef at the great uh, hotel Olofsson in Port-au-Prince, um, used to take me to the hotel with her starting about eight years old, and she was the executive chef there. That's sort of like where I started being around food and, and, and hospitality. And... Uh, took a great liking to it and uh when i when my family moved to the u.s in the early 80s uh around that time i started working for my neighbor's uh catering company and the rest is sort of like history i sort of like kept up with uh uh the hospitality industry moved to philadelphia where i work um, at a number of great restaurants, including the the Great Lebec Fan with uh, Georges Perrier, mm-hmm. um, and a number of others. And uh, in the early '90s, I, I moved to California, um, living in San Francisco. I really got to, uh, immerse myself into the food culture. Um, attended uh, City College Hotel and Restaurant School, and uh, and continued on. Um, wine has always been a part of, of my day to day, um, both as a consumer and, uh, and, and an avid learner. Um, I fell into buying wine in the mid nineties, uh, at a restaurant in Southern California and, uh, continued to study and, and stayed, um, focused in, in into the whole learning process of uh, of enjoying and and educating myself and also sharing 
what I've been learning along the way. And what so, is, I'm sorry. So, so, so can you talk a little bit about the, you, you said uh, City College at San Francisco City College, right? Yes, that is They that. had, uh, that program was quite renowned, right? It is very renowned. I think it's still alive and well. Yeah. Uh, a number of the people that I, 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 that taught me when I was there, I was still pretty much involved with school. Uh, it's at one time uh, one of the best places in, in the Bay Area to recruit new students uh, right. that are graduating or students that, are, that were in the program to work in restaurants in the Bay Area. Right. Yes. Yeah. But what's growing up in Port au Prince, what's the food and wine scene like? Well, for me, early on, it wasn't necessarily wine that really captivated me. No, obviously. Yeah, my grandmother was an amazing chef. So was my mother. And uh, I recalled, um, obviously, there are parts of of every uh, animal or fish that in a... uh, Affluent hotel, if you will, that you don't really serve to the rest of the guests. Mm -hmm. So things like big fish heads and the tail or um, cow's foot and the pig's head and things like that. Used to, my grandmother used to bring them home and uh, and she would cook them and prepare them in, in such an amazing way, like things like um, people don't eat here that often, things like tripe. Yeah. Uh, my grandmother used to make some of the best tripe over... Um, what we call mai moulin, which is basically polenta, um, and um, I those were some of my favorite foods. You know, uh, fish head stew, uh, a herring uh, with uh, poached bit, uh, plantains in the morning with uh, egg sun, with the egg sunny side up on top. I mean, these are it's kind of like food that you think that's you eat like a plate of plantain with with herring and. Sunny side up, that will stick to your rib, as it were. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it carries you through the day. Yeah. Um, or gets you through the hangover. Uh, or, exactly. Yeah, perfect hangover food in the U.S., I suppose. But um, so I grew up in an environment where my my entire family was really into cooking and uh, eating all, all, uh, all types of different foods. I recall uh, I was about... Uh, Eight or nine, maybe ten years old, and my uh, on Sundays uh, was typically uh, the d- the day that we would eat chicken. Uh, you know, unlike here, you know, you eat chicken every day. In in some parts of the world, um, chicken is a very is a delicacy, and for us, it was. So I recall. Um, well, you're probably getting the eggs. You're not killing the chickens. You want the <laughs> eggs. Exactly. We had. We had like. We we've always. We always had like, um, at least eight or ten chickens or laying eggs in our property in Port-au-Prince. Uh, so, uh, chick, eating chicken on Sunday was something that we looked forward to, and I recall my my grandmother uh, not helping me, but. She insisted that I learn how to how to kill a chicken properly. Yeah. It was quite an experience at that age, um, and the, the whole process from from actually catching the chicken, 
and and which uh, if you've ever seen rocky i guess is hard to do <laughs> <laughs> you know catching the bird running around They're shifty man r- running yeah. around you know the property finally you, you catch it and then uh killing it in the, in the most human way possible and then removing the feathers it's, it's it was, it was a really a great ritual uh to, to yeah. participate on. I remember, I remember Louis C.K. saying one time that, that chickens are very, very skittish. He's, you know, they're always kind of looking over their shoulder, looking around. But he says, I don't blame them if you consider that their murder rate is 100%. <laughs> I think the chicken in my yard were very much aware that there was anything. Just a matter of time. <laughs> is it Saturday? No, I think it's Sunday. Oh, yeah, shit. Yeah. Saturday afternoons were very hectic. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but seriously. That's a full day process, catching the chicken, butchering the chicken, chicken. plucking the chicken, chicken, draining it. The whole—I mean, that's like that takes that—that that was all day. Absolutely, uh-huh. it actually, it would typically be done on on Saturday afternoon. Okay, yeah, because you know the chicken by the time you catch it and plucking it and then uh, allow it to hang. Right. Uh, and high enough so that the dog didn't eat it. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, and also like one of the things that I w- remember fondly is uh, is my family drying drying cod on the uh, on the rooftop um, uh, during the summer. Uh, uh, not that we had uh, winters there, but they uh, they would catch uh, cod. Uh, and, and and dry it on the roof, yeah. uh, as well as uh, other things. Uh, so, I I grew up in an environment where f- food was very uh, very much so part of our day to day, not just for 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 sustenance or nutrition, but as as part of you know, the 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 conversation. Um, you know, what are we gonna what are we gonna eat? Uh, tonight, my it, uh, I recall that my siblings and I we used to talk about uh, restaurants within Port-au-Prince, where we would have like imaginary conversation as to where we are eating tonight. As such, you know, this food is from this restaurant, and we would like no, this is from that restaurant, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So even at that age, I had uh, as early as between eight and till the time that I, my family moved to the U.S., I had this fascination with with dining, and uh, which has uh, stayed with me still. And what prompted the move to the United States? Well, uh, during the the reign of the Papa Doc and Baby Doc in, in, in Haiti, and toward the end uh, of the reign of of Baby Doc. Um, there had been this major scare in, in in the worldwide community in terms of like um, diseases, and uh, it was said that um, in the late seventies and early eighties that uh, Haiti was one of the places in the world where if you went on vacation as a tourist, that you would you would you you would put, could potentially catch the AIDS epidemic. Huh. Oh, so that. With regards to what we our conversation started earlier about the Corona right. uh, yeah. <laughs> epidemic, uh, currently it's not um, when you drink too much the night before. Uh, right. <laughs> um, um, that you know that coupled with uh, the fact that you know the country had been under duress 
under um, Papa Doc and, uh, yeah. and and Baby Doc, and you, you with the economic um, devastation that was brought on by the AIDS epidemic, which means that a country that depend upon tourism as its main source of uh, of the base of the economy, yeah. uh, it really killed uh, the infrastructures that were being built at the time by the people that lived there. And and how did you choose where to move to in the United States? Did you have family somewhere? Yeah, uh, my f- my family goes back uh, in the U.S. till uh, goes back as far as back as the l- late '40s, early '50s. Have either coming and going from from Port-au-Prince to to New York and in in, uh, in in Miami. So. Um, in the prior to my father moving his entire family to the states, he'd spent a few years uh, living in New York, um, working and laying the foundation for us to move to to, to New York. Mm-hmm. You know, and then how, and then how did you eventually make it out here to uh, California? Oh well, I, I came to visit so a friend. Yeah, well, that as well. Uh, the, He's the only the, guy in the room with a scarf on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, I, I was thinking Miami was probably yeah. a, a good choice, but uh, New York. Uh, mm. New, well, winters in New York and Philadelphia is no picnic. Yeah, uh, and uh, I just could not. I, in retrospect, uh, moving to California was not necessarily uh, based upon the weather in 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 the East Coast, but after visiting San Francisco in the early nine in 1990, and then uh, and spending an entire week walking around San Francisco in December and in January rather, it was I was just I thought to myself, what the heck am I doing in Philadelphia in the winter? You know, I should be living here in in the Bay Area. Um, and and a friend of mine took me on on a drive to Napa, and then we took Marquis. Uh, Springs Road yeah. onto Sonoma and dropped onto a Highway 101 back to San Francisco. On the way, on the way back to the city, it was just like I'm coming back here. Come hell, high water, I'm moving back here. It took me several years um, till '92 to move back to move to the Bay Area, but I, I've never looked back since. I, it was one of the best decisions I ever made, um, and um, it's it's taking me to places. Uh, that I've never thought imaginable and things that I've done in terms of like um, my career uh, in in food and wine and also uh, being able to follow other disciplines that I've that I've always uh, cared for and been passionate about such as being a visual artist. Yeah, yes. you're an artist as well. And I think, you know, if, if we can give a some place that people can go to check out um, your art would be good. Yeah, uh, I do have um, a website, uh, Vilmont Art Gallery, um, dot com, where I, I I showcase some of my work and as well as uh, some other artists that I'm working with as well. And it's how do you spell the website? Uh, Vilmont V I L M O N T Art Gallery dot com. But let's. Uh, Chat a bit about uh, one one of the most important part or reason why I'm here today. Yeah. Um, after many years of working in in sales and marketing and branding and 
in the wine industry, working with a lot of really talented winemakers, and uh, also with some for some great companies in in the beverage industry, and also participating in a number of wine events in the Bay Area and beyond. Um, it has always occurred to me that there is a lack of diversity within the wine industry, not only in people attending these these wine events, and also there's a lack of diversity in 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 wine in general, whether it's winemaking or wine marketing, um, the wine sales. I think it's I think there it's. Awareness building is, is is very important. I think there's a lot of uh, also there's there's a lot of uh, job opportunities in the wine industry that goes unfulfilled on a, on a daily basis. Not just when I what I mean by that is not just in in wineries sales, but also in in restaurants opportunities for for minorities as well. I think um, us as a, a, a the industry um, as a as a whole needs needs to do more and more outreach within in, into minority uh, communities and and to to bring them in in terms of like uh, letting them know all these opportunities that exist. You know, um, there's a lot of jobs that go unfulfilled uh, during harvest time, and people are just scrambling around here to find people to to either pick grapes or to help with production. Um, all, all of which that could 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 benefit a lot of people. Yeah, and you know, as you being a person of color, and you've had all these different positions working in restaurants, working for I think you were a rep for um, um, yeah, I've worked, yeah, uh, I've, I've for worked, a while. Yeah, I've worked for um, I've worked for not, for a number of brands in in, in the Bay Area. Uh, I've also made made, made wines on, under um, the River Mist. Havenly label. Um, I've uh, I've I've done just about every possible. Uh, well, not every, but I've 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 done my share of of work in sales and marketing and distribution in the Bay Area. Right, and when you're in those different places, you're looking around and seeing that a lot of times you're the only person of color absolutely in that I company see that. or in that job exactly exactly I've, I've i've worked for many companies in wineries where as i'm i look around i'm and, and and i know that these companies are looking for people to work and always i've been the only person of color who's working at these companies yeah you know it, 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 yeah it's, it's it's a fact yeah <laughs> yeah uh, and um um, it's a fact, and I'm trying to do my part in terms of like to to build awareness um, about that. And I think, and I think it's it starts with the fact that um, wine is not really marketed to 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 minorities. Uh, uh, well, who who I, is wine marketed to? I mean, that's the the question nowadays. Is you know, I, I think for the most part, wine has been marketed to. To a very elite group of people, um, and predominantly white people, it's it's, it's a fact. Mm-hmm. You know, not you know, not to skirt around the subject, but it is it is a fact that wines even even wine is not even it's it's marketed to to rich white males, 
not even rich white women wine is not really marketed to. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's a it's a, a gender thing as well. It's a gender thing as well. Yeah. And um, so maybe uh, with the exception of uh, bubbles, which well, and you know what's. It's. It, I think in the exception of uh, bubbles and perhaps cheap rosés as well. Right. Yeah. Mom juice. Uh, the, the interesting thing about this, and you know, I have a, I have a few things we can say, but I'm going to start with this one. Is uh, it's one of the greatest failures of wine marketing in general, and not specifically with you know people of color and minorities, but with the issue between men and women. Women make the wine buying decisions. Exactly. Six, and 60% of the of the decisions that are made in the household with regards to purchasing are made by the woman. Made by the woman. Yeah. And I, you watch, I watch it every day in the tasting house. You know, the... the Guy, the husband might want to sign up for the wine club, but he's not doing it until he has permission. <laughs> he's not doing it. He's not pulling out that credit card until there's a like at least you know the you know the, the pen is hovering over the check to join the Phil sent me membership. Well, box. she's got to fall and, in love with the wine too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And Bye. and the whole thing. And and by focusing our marketing to you know a very narrow group of people, and this is you know goes back into the state of wine. You know the wine business report and our failure with with millennials and all these things. The wine industry in general does a huge disservice to itself. To itself, absolutely. By by marketing in such a narrow way. Absolutely, I and mean, that's been that that's been the conversation in the last few years about who who do we sell to and how do we sell to them. Right. And um, I think this current generation is is very mindful. Uh, much like previous generation, as to what their parents drank, right. and not wanting to fall into, you know, the, drinking the same things. But at the same time, I think that there's a way to 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 address uh, and and also to capture different um, demographics, and also uh, to reach out uh, and and build different dis- distribution channels. Um, and um, we, and, and I say we because I'm I've been part of 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 the beverage industry for for quite some time, and um, and I'm trying to do my part to find a, to find a a way to to increase sales and and build awareness. Not just about uh, you know to, for me it's it's not I'm not just promoting. Uh, wine sales. I'm, I I really want to uh, promote, you know, the, the the spirit of well-being that exists amongst all of us that enjoy uh, wine, it, it, you know, because it brings a, a certain level of, of pleasure and 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 sense of community. As as I think, it, wine is the reason why all five of us are sitting here at this table. Right. <laughs> that that's how we all met. Right. right. Yeah. So, so you have an event coming up. Yes, yes. Uh, and this is this is going to be you're you're putting a stake in the ground, and this is where you're going to start trying to cross promote. Absolutely, this is where I'm going to on, on February fifteenth, uh, right here in the Bay Area at the Alice Collective. Uh, myself and uh, a number of like-minded individuals have gotten together to to put on an event at the Alice Collective on February fifteenth. Um, there will be Great uh, food, um, uh, great music, um, uh, great wine to be simple and enjoyed. I think, uh, you know, it's 
it's not just your your regular wine tasting, whereas uh, you know the winemaker is or, or the person representing you know. Uh, winery A A to Z is stuck behind a, a table trying to talk to two people and they really can't get to that person. But I, I, I my spin is that I, I want to have the representative or the winemaker within the room, um, 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 interacting with with the consumer or or guests, as it were, at at this event, and um, and really. So that people can have a more, uh, uh, more meaningful interaction with 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 the winery representative or the winemaker or the the winery owner. Yeah, I think what your idea is that's different than other winery or other events or that instead of the the winery representative, the owner or the winemaker being behind the table and having a group of people in front of them, you're going to have a. Uh, a, a, a hospitality professional serving the wine, serving the wine, and then you're hoping that the winemaker or owner will be out in front and just greeting and answering greeting questions. questions. Absolutely. And yeah. by that way, some people, more people, will be able to try the wines, and more people will be able to interact. And right, absolutely. Yeah. And also the combination of like wine and food. You know, we're bringing a really amazing chef from Southern California to to prepare uh, some of the best. Um, Southern style African American food that I have tasted in a really long time, and also a great um, local uh, uh, musician, Marcus Shelby, is is quite possibly one of the, one of the, one of the best um, jazz musicians living and playing in the Bay Area today, and and for me, um, this event is more more of a uh, it's a great interaction um, f- to to separate. Us from the from from your regular from excuse me from your regular um, wine event. I I, I just wanted to be um, a fun deconstructed um, uh, opportunity for people to 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 learn, enjoy wine, enjoy food, and enjoy music. And uh, that's that's the type of uh, events that I aspire to do. Yeah, I think all of us have. And we've talked about this in the past. All of us have been to a lot of these tasting events like San Francisco Chronicle. Not that there's anything wrong with these events. It brings people in. You get an opportunity to try wines. But, um, you know, it is it is basically a cattle call. Right. There's, no, so there's no traction. It's, uh, it's table set up, throw the linen down, put out the, put out the wine. People come in, you pour them a splash, and there's not a lot of... Um, you know, bar yeah, and, yeah. And, in, and in that case, at like a, a, a celebration of an event, I mean, of a judging, the people are there, they're looking for one thing, they're looking for best of class and double gold. And sometimes they just overlook a bunch of wines that they might really, really like if they tried right. themselves, unless instead they're just letting the judges tell them what they should be tasting. Um, where with your event, you've just hand selected producers that you have relationships or that you're you know that you're familiar with and allowing them to pour whatever they want with um with no pretense of how the wines have been judged and that's a that's a good way a positive way to taste wine as opposed to um just a cattle i think not only beneficial for the for the consumer but for the winemaker or the owner to actually get out and be able to spend a little time talking to people um, instead of just saying this is my 2015 Cabernet, is yeah, just like what we do on the show. I want to know. I want to know more about the winemaker. How did you get into the business? Why do you do what you do? Right. 
Um, and, and that and that forms a relationship rather than just a facilitator. Right. And getting out in front of the table, I mean, I was I was just pouring wine at a tasting last week, and you get out in front of the table and it blows people's minds. Yeah, right. They're, they're like you like grab a bottle and you go out in front of the table instead of standing behind the table and, and literally break that barrier. It does, and, isn't and, it? and it changes everything about the experience. Yeah. Um, so, and, and I think maybe that's sort of my question for you is um, how do you break those barriers in an, in an event like what you're talking about? How do you make it more in, inclusive? How, you know, at a, at a restaurant like Qua, how do you, how do you sort of break some of those barriers there? You know, I was at Eagle, I was, where I was pouring, it was the Eco Farm Conference in, in Asilomar. It's all about organic farming and, and there's always a theme. And, and this year, the 40th anniversary, the theme was really through all of the workshops and, and many of the like keynote addresses and the plenaries and things was about inclusivity. And, and there was uh, Indian, as in from India, farmers. There was Native Americans who came and spoke. There was, you know, this, this whole thing about, uh, about black farmers and, uh, you know, big piece on the history of, of Asian American farmers in, in California and basically how that history was wiped off the map because of, of internment in the World War II. And so the, and, and the overarching theme was, especially with organic farming, that organic farming is a, a privilege. And to start by breaking those barriers, you acknowledge uh, the privilege with which got you there, and then figure out how to how to bring more people in. So, and, and you know, it's, there's a lot of work to be done there, right. so, for sure. Um, in terms of to answer your question with regard to how do I present wines at Qua, uh, one of the one of the great things uh, that, I, that I truly enjoy about my my job is that we we feature um, we do two wine pairings at two selections of wine pairing at the restaurant, and that's something that's continuously evolving and ongoing. It's changed change, you know, on a nightly basis, pretty much, is that um, I'm always presenting something new to, to our guests. It's, it's, never, uh, it's never the same thing over and over and over every night in terms of like wine pairing. Um, so that allows me the, the opportunity to, to, to present and talk about different producers um, introduced people to wines that they, for the most part, will not find um, um, in their on on, on a, in in a store right. per se. Uh, they may have to call the producer directly. Um, I I I've, I really love working with small uh, California producers within within this area and and, and somewhat beyond, but. You know, being where I am at Qua, right. I get I get a lot of solicitation from 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 wineries that want to come in to taste me on on wines. So um, that allows me the opportunity to introduce wines to people. And all and and at the restaurant at Qua, we get people from all over the world. And also, uh, um, you know, the the Bay Area is a very diverse uh, uh, has a very diverse. Uh, group of people right. that live here and we, we get them all all shades uh, uh, of color under the sun that comes through the door and uh, so it's it's a great privilege it's uh, it's always fun to, to to talk about you know for instance you know I have a great wine from Switzerland that uh, from uh, that that I've been pouring as part of the pairing you know I have um, 
recently I had a, a wine from Macedonia. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I had a wine from Serbia. And are things that, you know, we, we, we look for things that are um, unusual uh, and, 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 hard to, and hard to find so that, so that we can introduce our guests so that they they walk away having had an experience, right. and, 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 and it's a great conversation starter. Right? Exactly, it's a great conversation, for, and it, which is what I I I'd love to bring to to Les Sommeliers and 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 this upcoming event at the Alice Collective. Um, if if you're interested in coming to the event, you can check out our website, which is um, lesommelier.com. It's lesommelier, a spell L E S hyphen. Sommeliers, plural, S-O-M-M-E-L-I-E-R-S. Um, tickets are available on Eventbrite um, for, within the spirit of Valentine's uh, Day and the Black History Month. Um, so the event is called uh, a sparkling, uh, it's a black sparkling um, event. And uh, we're offering uh, uh, two tickets for $100. Um, and for that, you get access to or to the event and um, delicious wines and wonderful food, and you get to meet um, um, Marcus Shelby as well as Keith Kerbin, who's the chef who's coming up from his restaurant in Los Angeles, to join us. What's his restaurant in LA? It's called Alta. Alta. Uh, it's on West Adams uh, near Culver City. Um, it's a wonderful restaurant. Um, if you if you are heading down to Southern California, I really recommend you stop by. Down there pretty often. I'll add it to the list. Nice. The list, uh, the Los Angeles food and restaurant scene right now is it, it's every, amazing. It's amazing. It's the hottest restaurant scene in the country. In the country, and by none. Like every time I you know check one off the list, like five more get added to the list of places you got to hit, and it's from you know from delis and little cafes and bake shops to you know fine dining yeah. you know three michelin two michelin star yeah. kind of places and everything in between you, you just can't get to it you can't get to them enough no. and every and, and everybody in la doesn't leave more than like a one mile radius of where they live anyway because <laughs> you don't have to and you don't want to because of the traffic so right, right 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 well we were talking earlier about mexico city that you had uh Oh had yeah, yeah. Mexico is, is Mexico is an amazing place. I was um, I always knew this, but like, but you, you don't really, you can't really measure something truly until you've actually had an actual experience. Um, I spent thirty six hours in Mexico City, and then I headed um, west to uh, to uh, Puerto Vallarta, which was also an amazing place to have visited. But I went to this restaurant in um, in Mexico City, uh, who's that has had been around for a really long time. It's called Les Moneros, and uh, it's a very it's 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 in the center of Mexico City, very in, in the historic district. It's a big city. It's a big. It's called. It's in Mexico Centro. It's okay. Called. And Les Moneros is. Uh, I had um, uh, a nine course uh, tasting menu, which that came with. I mean, there were little addition, additional things that came along these these nine courses, but I was I was really blown away at the way things were paired. I mean, there were within and were not, these Mexican wines? Well, there there were a few wines from the Guadalupe Valley, and then but also there were I mean, there were mostly wines from from France, 
a little bit from Spain, but there were there were courses that were served with sake, beer, mm-hmm. or or even tequila. I, I noticed that a little mezcal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Saunders got back from there. And I awful. noticed they did. Un- <laughs> yeah. I hate that. <laughs> yeah, for their pairings, they tended to move around. It wasn't just about wine. It wasn't they, about wine. Yeah. No, no, it was yeah. it was uh, which which. Uh, which, um, well, especially if you have spicy food, I think it's, I mean, how much Riesling, um, right, can you pair right. with, uh, right, with I think I, I think I could get away with sake. Uh, I'm not sure if I can get away with beer where I am. <laughs> right. Well, I, actually I know someone, if you want to, if you want a high end, uh, right. beer, there is a mad Fritz over in yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's, um, what's, that's, that's, uh, uh that's Nile. Nile. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I know Nile. Yeah. yeah. I haven't seen him in a long time. Yeah. Winemaker and, but then you wouldn't be Le Sommelier. It'd be Le Cicerone, right? <laughs> well, <laughs> it's like a whole different game. <laughs> Let some surrounds. That's good, Sam. That's good. That's all I got. That's the the entirety of my French. (laughs) Well, you guys, for a moment, can we just talk about why why this industry is not catering to an an underserved community? And is it socioeconomic? Is it that they're... Because sometimes I feel like they're not catering to me as well. I'm not buying... I'm, for the restaurant, I'm buying high-end Cab and Pinot right. and Chard, but that's not what I'm drinking in my personal life. Well, I, I mean, was it Bonnie or, and or Clyde who said, you know, when, when asked, why do you rob banks? That's where the that's money where is. That's where the money is, right? I right. mean, um, it's, it's low-hanging fruit. It's easy to make buttery Chardonnay and big oaky Cabs and sell them to people who you know you don't have to you don't have to have the conversation you don't have to to push the boundaries and you can charge the most right so i mean I, I, that's that's got to be where it starts well, i'm and sure it, there's more reasons you know more subtle reasons than that but yeah it's also where the sheer volume of wine is sold and that's in you know grocery stores and very large you know costcos and uh, wine sh- wine warehouses and um, well, not necessarily the ultra premium wines. No, though. but 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 the ultra premium wines are being sold, you know, more direct to consumer, right? And um, you know, so I don't have an answer for why they're not marketing that better. But I think, as Sam said, the low hanging fruit is the majority of the wine that's sold in America is sold. Well, and this is a great question for. Sorry to interrupt. You. No, that's right. But it's a great question for Ruben. You know, you do see a. a a diverse and affluent clientele at a restaurant like, like Qua. Um, how would how do wineries do? How could wineries do better in in bringing in a more diverse, affluent uh, clientele and not just rich old white guys? And and this is you know this is something that you know if you're at a winery in a marketing department and you're listening to this and you're looking at your you know your wine club data um and i know this is happening i've talked to people that you know it's like all of a sudden it's it's rapidly aging out the sellers are getting full for you know health reasons whatever that population that generation is is drinking less wine buying less wine so this is you know a a, a critical to the you know longevity of this industry how do we expand that tent a little bit absolutely I, i would tell them first first off what they should do they need to support my organization. <laughs> Check. <laughs> All right. <laughs> First and foremost. 
uh, support Les Sommeliers. Uh, and 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 if they if they want to have uh, an in depth conversation, they can re- reach me directly at four one five four two five eight four six six. And we'll post that on the uh, notes for the show. Um, as well. well, and hold on, and Ruben, while you're talking about this, and how are you marketing your event differently than every other wine event is being um, marketed to to capture the people that you want to bring in? Yeah, so I'm I am I am working with. Uh, um, organizations uh, that or in publications that that my demographics uh, read uh, um, for instance uh, cuisine noir magazine I'm working with uh, to get the word out um, you know I'm, I'm coming on shows like this to, to talk about what I'm doing um, I'm gonna be going on uh, KCSM uh, who has uh, um, a radio program every Monday night. Um, hopefully, the, the jazz station. The jazz station. Um, um, I'm going to and talking to organizations that have a really diverse audience um, that are interested in things that are part of the spirit of well, the spirit of well-being um, to promote. Uh, so there's there's a lot of different ways to reach these people. I mean, I'm talking about the, uh, very affluent people uh, for uh, which is a word which is a word I don't like to use. But there are um, people of color that have significant amount of income um, that are interested in 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 the finer things in life. I mean, these are the things same people that are buying Mercedes Benz. Uh, they're buying Louis Vuitton bags and and, and Prada shoes, etc. The list goes on and on. The things that these people buy, and I think at the same time, um, uh, those brands obviously have done their their work in in, in, in order to to get uh, uh, these folks to 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 buy these luxury goods. And it's not saying that wine itself is is necessarily. I mean, at a certain level, it becomes. Uh, uh, at a certain price point, it is a luxury item, uh, too simple. But um, but marketing uh, into those group of people, uh, letting them know that uh, you know there's 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 more than just beer, and uh, you know there's more than just you know Hennessy cognac or Remy Martin, as it were. Uh, that that which. Uh, those brands have done, right. done an amazing job in getting like all getting sudden, those products in those people's minds. Tim Meadows '90s SNL, like I got Cavassier in my mind all the time, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 so, so you, so you, you see where I'm going with this, right? Uh, if those brands have been so successful to ingrain their their products in, into the consciousness, into the minds of of that group of people. Of those of those folks, um, I think the wine industry can do can do the same. Uh, it's just it, it's it's just marketing. And you also have to remember, this is not wine as uh, a place of uh, you know a beverage of privilege or however you want to talk is a relatively new phenomenon in this country. You know, up until the you know post World War II um, and and really the judgment of Paris. Uh, wine consumption in the United States was it was either fancy French wine and domestic wine was consumed by the immigrants who made it, and I'm thinking primarily of you know in California the Italian Americans, right, things yeah, like that. Right. And, you know that's who who made and drank wine, and it was you know it's a cultural, it was, it was thing. cultural thing. It was cultural thing. It wasn't a, it wasn't a fancy thing, um, and you know. 
we've, we've left a lot of that behind. Exactly. You don't have to be fancy to drink wine. Right. Well, here we are. <laughs> I mean, they barely let us into this warehouse. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Oh, yes, absolutely. Daniel Chu on the mic, everybody. Sorry, I'm stealing uh, Ruben's mic real quick. Um, uh, just a quick point about marketing is when, you know, when you're looking at this demographic that you already have, you have these people's attention and they're purchasing your product to continue your marketing campaign just directly towards them, you're beating a dead horse. You know, you, you want to get the attention of the people that are going to be drinking your wine, um, potentially, you know, in the future, or someone that just isn't a part of the conversation. And that's, you know, with Les Moyers, that's what, that's what we're doing is introducing and bringing people into the conversation that haven't necessarily taken part. So you were involved in Les Moyers as well? Yeah. I thought you were just here because it was Monday morning, you're hanging out at the office, and there was some microphones and a bottle yeah, of wine. Yeah, no, I, I have to take right. a sexual harassment training <laughs> All right. after this. You got the TV Which, queued up in here. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, no, so uh, Ruben reached out to me initially um, to, to help with service, you know, for, for the event, because we've worked together, and, you know, he's, he's looking for help. Um, I have a degree in wine business as, as well as an economics from Sonoma State, uh, which is a great program. Yep. Um, Shout out to Sonoma State. Yeah. Tim, yeah. Wall- Tim yeah, Wallace yeah, yeah. is certainly yeah. graduate of Brown and Harvard. Friend of the program. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and so as that conversation, you know, built um, and it's been we've had about a month long relationship as far as this project's going. Um, I'm just trying to offer my assets, anything that I can do to. Um, you know, to keep things moving. Um, and then certainly on the service side, you know, going to be a part of that. We're going to have a long discussion about yeah. about the event today and how that's going to, you know, you know, come to. So, yeah. Well, and I think a lot of that advertising dollars that you're talking about where they where they direct it towards people that are already purchasing. The, I know the car companies do that as well. And it's 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 to reaffirm the sale. And it's strange to Certainly, think of it in yeah. those terms, but they what it is is they're saying you were right to purchase this right. and it's, the it's, way we're showing you that exactly. is by showing that look at where we have another ad and it's here and it's there um i know the car companies spend a lot of money you've mm-hmm. already purchased the car but they still want you to watch that commercial to know that you made a wise decision yeah and now you have the Sienna driving the <laughs> driving the Mercedes, you know, it's like, but you bought it in June, but you still feel good about the purchase. Right. right. Yeah. Right. In, in uh, I'm sorry, I was going to say that in a short time that uh, Dan, Daniel and I has reconnected and he's been um, working on, on this project with me uh, at Les Sommeliers. He's, he's been really um, uh, very critical in terms of like uh, directing or, or, or marketing um, voice. Um, Fine tuning that voice, and uh, it's uh, I'm, I'm I'm very glad that he's here, and uh, and without him, I I think the and to, he he has reconnected you 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 and I, uh, right, Brian, and yep. uh, and yes, and he will be and is a very um, critical part of Les Amoliers. Yeah, yeah, and you know part of that marketing, and I and I see it more now in in. Um, commercials and print ads is a more, you know, I see a more diverse, you see, you see a black father with an Asian mother and then, a, a you know, you see this now in commercials and it used to be, it used to be, God, I swear 20 years ago, if people saw that commercial, they would be up in arms and be I banning that, that product. I think there's still people get up in arms on that. I'm, you know, that. I'm sure there is, but, it, and, and we I'm truly live sort of in a different area here on the, you know, we're on the ears of the head. So, you know, New York and California probably have a little bit more liberal attitude um, when it comes to these things. But 
Um, but I think you, you see that more and more now. And it's, and it's because young people don't care as much right. as their parents or their grandparents. I mean, that's, you're entirely right, they're, Brian. They they're, uh, it's much a, more open-minded. They're, they're, they're a different crew that's coming up, and I see it in my daughter, who's 11. She attends um, an L, uh, LGBTQ uh, meetings at school, uh, and I've never talked to her about sexuality, um, but she just thinks that there's an injustice sometimes going on, and she wants to be a part of fighting that, uh, fighting that fight. And it's amazing that what these kids are, are doing. So I see hope and positivity um, coming from coming up behind us. Um, but in the meantime, let's go to this event. I know. So let's let, let's talk, who's that, you know let's actually talk about the wine. <laughs> what uh, who's who's pouring? What are, and you talked about it's it's got a, a sparkling Valentine's Day kind of theme. But, yeah, it um, has. A, what's a, a, what can we drink? What can we drink there? Yeah. Uh, as far as uh, as far as uh, champagne, um, we have uh, Domaine Henriot pouring their delicious uh, non-vintage brut, as well as some other um, uh, of their uh, wines. Um, we have uh, GH Mum, Perrier Jouet, and Chateau Palmer. Um, Domaine Carneros will be there, as well as Adnami Prosecco. And there will be a number of, uh, uh, of still wine producers, such as Bouchain, um, Copain, um, Pirater, Wine Rains in Sonoma. Um, the list goes, the, 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 there'll be upwards of, of 20 or so local wine producers as well as importers. Cool. And let's get it out there. People go to lesamoyers.com. Tickets are available. If you're, Ruben, what if I'm a single guy that can't get a date? Oh, well. Are you going to make me buy two tickets? No, absolutely not. No, Um, but it'll still cost $100. (laughs) (laughs) Because there's hope you will get a date. Um, No, it's uh, for a single ticket is $65. Okay. Uh, or you can, uh, you know, call up a friend, you know, and uh, you can get two tickets for a hundred, right. and uh, they'll, yeah, they can get a wingman. Yeah, and if you, you want, know. tell them it's fifty bucks. I'm sure there's a, lot. you know, <laughs> I'm sure tell them it's sixty-five. <laughs> pay a hundred, make a little money on it. Uh, my guess is there will be a lot of women out there that are going to bring their girlfriends because they love to travel together and go oh, do things you're together. You're planting that and seed, then, aren't you? <laughs> There will be lots of opportunities for for single gentlemen out there that are looking to meet. It's some, ladies' uh, night. It's it's <laughs> Valentine's sat on weekend, and yep. you know the potential of meeting uh, your potent your significant other is, you know, the numbers are high. I think. Uh, yeah. I think you got a good shot there, uh, Mr. Casey. That, yeah, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I'm. If you're on the lookout, I, <laughs> I'm good. But I'm, I'm thinking, you know, the good pressure. Thing Marie doesn't listen, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you know, the pressure is always on around Valentine's Day for couples of where do I, where do we go, where do I take her, where do right, I take right, him. Right. So we're giving you an opportunity, being that Valentine's Day is falling on a Friday. You've kind of got you've got choices. You've got a Friday and a Saturday right. to, to pick where you want to go. I think Saturday night's a better night to go out for on that that that. Well, you're that not coming weekend. home from work. You've had a chance to relax, 
take exactly. a nice shower, put on the cologne, no, put, uh, exactly. put on some nice If you're going clothes. to a wine event, don't wear cologne. I'm right. sorry. That yeah. there. <laughs> no cologne, no perfume. No perfume. But take a shower. Take a shower. Uh, highly yes. recommended. Right. Yes. Maybe use an unscented soap. Use the crystal yeah. under your arm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we will be announcing uh, soon um, uh, the next date. Of our, our next event in Northern California, because the idea is going forward is to do more of these events. Absolutely, yeah. um, we're looking at doing uh, four events uh, this year: uh, two in the Bay Area, uh, one potentially in in the Sacramento region, uh, and two in Southern California. So, okay. you know, if you are if you're a winemaker and, and you want to get your or your brand or your winery you want to you want to get your brand in front of a different audience um um for a different uh, channel to showcase your product i you know let me know i'll be happy to to begin a conversation with you and and start uh, signing people up for for upcoming dates cool you guys got uh anything you want to wrap up any shout outs you want to give for this week Sam? I don't know. Do I have anything going on? I don't think I have anything going on. I don't know. You have no Vinyl Sundays yeah, on no the, Vinyl Sunday. I got to so put the Vinyl Sunday calendar together for the spring and summer and fall. Uh, shout out to Eco Farm. Um, it is really my favorite event of the year. That's the Wait Ecological Farming Association. What? Better than hospice? Yeah, because it's all... It's all farming. It's, all, the farming. it's all organic hippies, man. Yeah, Don't right. panic. It's organic. Don't panic. Wonder, it's organic. <laughs> does it just reek like weed there? <laughs> Whatever I was for some reason, I don't know. <laughs> it's strange. It's like was that little kid in the Peanuts cartoon with yeah. the with the cloud of uh, it was yeah. my brother and I walking and actually, you know, there was Eco Farms past where there was like several of the workshops were were cannabis related. Huh. Um but you know, again, this one was you know sort of thematically towards this idea of of you know widening the the tent of what organic means and and actually uh, widening the definition or of what organic means. And there's a uh, Patagonia and Dr. Bronner's are sort of the two big drivers for the the regenerative organic association and, nice. and creating uh, a, a definition and a certification of of organic that's beyond what the usda says and includes a social justice piece includes um you know if you're if it's organic coffee coming from uh you know from south america what are the labor practices you know is is are they using child labor are they using slave labor these things are still happening all over the world um and and yet can be labeled organic. And, and so that is right. definitely a, a piece of, of what's happening and, and a, a climate piece of that. Um, and actually, uh, our buddies down at Tablos Creek are part of the, the pilot program for the regenerative organic uh, cool. certification. So Shout out to Nathan that, down there, the, yeah. the shepherd. Yeah, exactly. So that's something that I'll, I'm going to look at moving forward with Enterprise Vineyards is how to expand you know, what, what organic farming means. And fuck sustainable. It's sustainable means nothing. Right. Sustainable, in my mind, in Sonoma County, sustainable means you use Roundup, and that's yeah. kind of the bottom line on that. And now you can drive around and see exactly where the Roundup's been. Yeah, it's a good time applied. of year to see that. It is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Oh, you see people in the suits? No, no you, you just you see, see the brown marks. brown dirt under the oh. vines and green growing in the middle of the row. Oh, right. Oh, really? Okay. 
All right. Any last I, words? I, I got one shout out. Oh, one, Garagist? Yeah. Well, one, I uh, have a new release coming out, uh, Go For Runs Infidel. So if you want to be a part of that release, uh, go to danesellers.com and sign up for my mailing list. And then... And apparently um, you have like promo codes and stuff. You know, Sam, <laughs> we all run our businesses a little different, right? <laughs> I guess some people think we're run the same company, maybe, uh, but, right? You know, <laughs> the company you keep, I guess, right? And then, yeah, I um, a competing con- or competing event with Ruben is the Garage Teast um, tasting. It's the same day. No. It's it's during the day. Um, Rubens is in the evening, so you could possibly, uh, it is possible, Pit come both. to Sonoma, yeah. taste a bunch of um, under a thousand case year wineries at um, it, here in town, and then head down to Oakland and uh, go to Rubens' event. Um, so, uh, garagetestfestival.com. Uh, get some tickets now. Yep. And uh, I don't know if you had a chance to respond to Melanie's email. She, yes, I did not respond, but I did read it. Okay. Yeah, so Melanie from Boniche, I guess she's not going to make it to Garashis, but she has offered a place to stay uh, for anyone going down to hospice. And I think we're, Bart and I and Steve and, and uh, maybe Todd are going to stay at a Airbnb. But um, I thought you were going to say that we were going to camp. When is no, 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 no. But I was going to say, I think I mentioned to Jasmine that if uh, if we can somehow close 16600 for for three days. Closed for the hospice to run? Uh, when, when is yeah. hospice to run? Uh, April 23rd, 24th, 25th in Paso Robles. And um, I, not- I went on the website the other day. There are some things that are sold out, but there are still things that are available, and it's specifically the Grand Tastings, which is what you really want to go to. And, April 23rd, 24th, 25th. Yeah. And, and hit... Uh, Did you say and, 26th? Uh, April 23rd, 24th, 25th. Is it 26th as well? I don't know. Uh, no, I think, I think it's... Uh, Thursday, it's, uh, Friday, Saturday. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and I'll be up there on Wednesday. I know the, the girl in the fig is doing all the food for the event, so I'll probably volunteer for that as well. Um, so now you just volunteer for girl. You used to get paid by the girl in the fig to do stuff, and now well, they, now you just go to dinners at Sweet D and volunteer and don't get paid. I think you I show think up at the office on Monday morning at nine o'clock and you're not getting paid anymore. I'm secretly running this joint. Okay, <laughs> don't tell Toolsy. <laughs> don't say it's that so loud. <laughs> Yeah, please, Daniel, wrap it Shout up. Shout out. Um, yeah, so I'm taking the uh, level one introductory psalm course on the, the nice. first and the second. <sighs> so going to class. Um, when we spoke last time, which was deleted, it would never happen. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't say deleted. <laughs> deleted, yeah. We had, we had, we had a malfunction. <laughs> Um, I had mentioned, I had mentioned that I, you know, kind of felt prepared for it and was, you know, wasn't really overly concerned until I freaked out until I started doing the reading of the 300 page, you know, kind of preface that they want you to go into. And it's like, that's like, shit, I know nothing, (laughs) you know? So, um, so I'm looking forward to it, but certainly, um, Brian, you, you had told me, you know, be ready be a little scared. I think that's scared. good. I mean, yeah, uh, uh, fear is a, a great motivator. Um, Sounds like something Kobe would have said. Yeah. I mean, especially if you're, you know, I was I was hesitant for the Court of Masters homes. It was it was a lot of information. And um, and but I'm glad that I went in with that attitude and not like a laissez faire, like sort of, oh, I know I know what this is all about. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, no. I'm sure you're going to do well, Daniel. We'll see you for the level two as well. You guys, if you want to uh, check out some of the past episodes, you can go to radiomisfits.com. 
you can also follow us on Instagram at Winemakers Pod and uh, Twitter. Uh, Twitter, Facebook. all of your regular downloads. Sam, we're not on TikTok yet, though. I don't even know what that means, but we're not there. Uh, I don't know either. And Sam, another couple came in um, the other day, just showed up at 16600. Um, I was busy doing the Garrett group and I said, you know, we were by appointment. Um, how did you hear about us? And it was another podcast listener. They are traveling physical therapists <laughs> that have converted uh, an old school bus. Um, so they live in the school bus. It's got hardwood floors, bed, shower. They have a, under the where the little shower is, they actually have a little wine cellar that they converted the, this little step in on the bus. Now, if you can sell a wine club to someone that lives on a bus, I think you're doing something special. If anyone can do it, it's 16600. <laughs> and, and we did. Right. Well, I mean, you know, either on the bus or you're off the bus. Right. right. I mean, <laughs> where's Ken Kesey when we need him? Yeah, seriously. Oh, what, color, what, what color was the bus painted? <laughs> it was pretty cool. So, it, you know what, if you're did listening... they pull so, up in the bus? Uh, no, they have, a, they have a car that they tow behind it that they then will drive around once they get to some spot. I think they go basically three months at a time. They're right now living in Marin. Um, somewhere, and then we'll we'll go on somewhere else. But they're avid listeners of the of the podcast, and um, and they joined. Phil sent me. You betcha. So how? And we're supposed to just. <laughs> That's what I said. I said, <laughs> how it. are we supposed to know? They said, no, no, we're going to send it to our mom's house. Okay, good. And then occasionally they'll just stop by and, and pick it up from mom, which is probably the safest place. Totally, <clears throat> totally. I used to do that with some of my high end wines because I would end up drinking them at three o'clock in the morning when I got home from the bars. So I learned that if I gave them to my mom, then I would just, I would never show up at my mom's. It's mom's wine locker. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, guys, thanks for listening to the show. Do us a favor, leave us a five-star review. We would appreciate it. And subscribe, please. Thank please you. Subscribe. Ah, subscribe. That does help. Yeah, I don't think we've ever asked people to do that before, but if you like the show, it's one way you can show us, um, show us that you're out there. Yeah, and maybe now that we've had Ruben on, we'll be allowed to go to Qua. Oh, you're allowed to call, come to quiet in time. You're okay, like, yeah. mm. <laughs> just got to get a reservation. Yeah. yeah exactly. well, what you got to work on is getting your wine in there. <laughs> exactly. You know, I almost went by the tasting house. I'm like, I'm going to try and sell some wine to this guy today. I never met him before, but I don't know that they I'll go through appropriate channels. I don't know if they had an intentionally made Grenache Rosé kosher from Napa pressed at Mayakamas before. Well, because there's only one in the world. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Might have to get that in from. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week.